0: What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Success Academy podcast. Today, I have with me Jared Glant. He is a sales expert and the VP of sales at Cardone Training Technologies, and he's the co-host of Young Hustlers. And not only does he talk about all this stuff, but he's actually in the trenches doing it and taking massive action. And so that's why I just had to get him on the podcast today to share his knowledge with us. So welcome to the show, Jared.
1: Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for being on the show. So to start off with, like, let's just get right into it. And I'd say, like, why don't you just kind of share a bit more of who you are and just kind of walk us through your story to start off with.
1: Yes, I'm from uh, Southern California originally. We're, we're based in Miami today, but um, I, uh, I went through a lot of the, the challenges I think that people in their 20s go through just trying to like figure out who they are and what they want to do and who they're going to be. And, and uh, I had some success uh, early on. I sold advertising, so I did really well with that was making like 20 G's a month, and uh, at 21 years old, I was blowing it all in the clubs every weekend, popping bottles and, and all that jazz, huh. and um, just got to a place where I was unemployed, didn't have any money, was broke, living with a friend, smoking weed every day, and uh, just kind of hated where I was at, and so I, my dad had just gotten a job in Texas, so I moved to Texas with him, hoping that it would kind of get me out of the environment that I was in, and then that was uh, a good thing started kind of getting my feet underneath me, and then decided that I didn't want to be with my parents anymore and I wanted to go back to California, so moved there and and my dad sent me a video one day because he knew I hated my job of uh this crazy guy on on YouTube, and his name was Grant Cardone and so I started going through his YouTube channel, watch every video he had on his YouTube channel. Keep in mind uh nine years ago there were about 23 videos on his YouTube channel. So this was in the very beginning. I really didn't know who he was, but fell in love with him, you know, uh, started calling the office every day, finally got an interview and that was like nine years ago. So it's today I'm the VP of the company. I started kind of answering phones and, and doing sales when I stumbled into them and then, you know, really learned how to sell and learned a lot of the success principles and traits that that people like grant that have a ton of money and and have done really well for themselves in their life and they have make an impact in their communities just kind of started following what he was doing and modeling it in my own life and you know I'm kind of on the way to 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 doing that for myself so yeah definitely
0: and and yeah I mean that's really awesome and I definitely want to you know, kind of dissect that a little bit more as well. Like talk more about those sales things that you've learned and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think that's really valuable. But um, my first question around that though, is because um, I know you kind of mentioned this, but like, I'm curious, like how many times did it actually take for you to actually just call and like how persistent do you have to be to sort of get that first interview?
1: Yeah, I think this is a, a big thing for a lot of people, um, to understand in life the the amount of, of work, and the amount of effort and the amount of reach and the number of phone calls and the amount of times you're going to have to fail before you win is like exponentially larger than you think you, 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 when you When you kind of are, are trying to get exposed to all of this, I remember I was in college and I was getting ready to graduate, and I thought I wanted to go into advertising, you know that was always kind of like you know, I I watched Mad Men and I was like, I want to be an ad guy. (laughs) And, and I I applied with a resume to uh, Saatchi and Saatchi, which is like one of like the top five, top three ad companies in the world at the time it was. And, uh, and I, I I submitted my resume and I never got a call back and I never got an email. And I was like, wow, like, I can't believe like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a catch, if you will. Like, Resume lines up. More importantly, I've got work experience that kind of proves what I'm able to do. And like no return communication. And so that was kind of like, I remember going, I felt a little disappointed. But at the same time, I was like, my, my expectations are way off. And it just took that one thing for me to to really start kind of reprogramming in my head, you know, what, what it what it takes to get what you want. And so, you know, fast forward to a few years later, after I had kind of gone through a really low spot, like I was at a point where I hated my life so bad. Like I was just, I was miserable. I looked back and I was like, man, you had good things going for you. You were making money and you were a freaking idiot and you blew it all. And, and the the pain, the burn, like how bad that burned, like that really like set into me. And and when I finally came across Grant, I was like, dude, I gotta go work for this guy. And it was me just looking back going, I never want to go back to where I was at. And if I really want this, then I'm gonna have to be persistent. I'm gonna have to like crash through the the walls of being reasonable and and really kind of crank it up a notch professionally. But, but I think that like that really set the stage for the success that I had after that, because like follow up, the fortune is in the follow up. Like if you can be consistent, you've got to, you've got to ping somebody so many times before you even get through like the, the bullshit barrier, right? Like today, like when people reach out to me once or twice, I, I won't even respond to them. If yeah. If people only email me and I never get voicemails from them, I don't even call them back like the the If you believe in what you have then then the push and the persistence it should be easy because you believe so 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 strongly in what you have that it it shouldn't be a thing where you're like, "Oh, should I call again? I don't want to bother them you know it, it, it you should just have this conviction that in yourself or your product or your service or your company or whatever that, that really just feeds the persistence. Now, having said that, there is a line of professionalism because we get a lot of people that try to apply here that take kind of 10 X, uh, too literally and, and end up creating problems, right? You know, yeah. if I hate, if I hate your guts and you're not professional, there's no way you're ever going to do anything with us. So you kind of have to like, it's a, it's an art, Right. But you have to, you have to have a new reason to call every single time, provide value, provide service, call for them, not for you. Like any call that starts out with, Hey, I want to see if I can get some time uh, to show you my thing. Like, that's just, it's just not a a good way to start. You always want to lead with value. And so going all the way back, you know, that's, that's what I did with grant. I was like, every day it was a new pitch. Every day I talked to a different person in the company i was trying to like surround the 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 enemy you know like just like full on like assault from every angle and huh. and so you know that's probably one of the greatest things that that as a young person you can really learn is how to be professional with your follow up how to be persistent with your follow up because very few people follow through and and hardly anybody follows up so if you can do that immediately you're 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 in the top 8% of people that are even playing the game.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really true. And I'm really glad you sort of clarified that as well, because like, um, like, you know how you were starting off and saying about like the follow up and all that. And like, some people do see it as like, you know, like you were saying, like the, just the 10 X actions, just like getting out there and constantly like reaching out and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm glad you kind of clarified that as well because I think that is kind of a misconception where like, a lot of people think like just constantly follow up, but I really like how you said, you know, it has to be like a different angle every time and actually coming at it from like a place of value. And if you can get that right, then you can follow up as many times as you want if you're really passionate and actually, you know, can bring something to the table. So I'm really glad you said that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I coined a, I coined a term. I, I think I can take credit for this because I think I, I invented it. Unless somebody else invented it, huh. then, um, then I can't take credit for it. But, but we have a, a saying in our office and it's called Vafu. Like, we're throwing down some Vafu on them, V-A-F-U, and it's value-added follow-up. So, like, whenever we reach out to a prospect, every time we reach out, we're calling with something new that adds value. So, whether it's a sales meeting, whether it's an offer of something, of some kind, like a free offer, like, hey, I want to run a free sales meeting for you. You know, maybe, like, I want to do a mystery shop for your company. Uh, I'd like to give you a free sales assessment you know, uh, Hey, I saw this, uh, this book and, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, here's a link on audible. I paid for it for you. Like, like all these different creative ways, like you should never reach out with the same request twice to somebody when you're following up with them. Yeah, definitely. I
0: really like that. I like that just to like, remember that sort of term there. And like, I mean, yeah, like just get creative. I feel like just to get your foot in the door and like, you know, leverage kind of like reciprocity and just get people to actually genuinely want to talk to you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, then another question that I was kind of wondering is because I know like obviously you're a huge like sales guy and that's kind of like, you know, the whole company is what you kind of specialize in. But um, I'm curious, like what do you, what would you say? Because I know like, I feel like going into 2019, a huge trend or thing that a lot of people are focusing on is, you know, doing things like content marketing, doing all the like, like sort of nurturing these leads and just like all the content and that kind of stuff rather than just kind of straight up sales. So in your opinion, what do you think? is ultimately like, I know that's kind of a broad question, but what do you think is more valuable in the long run doing sales or actually setting up a system
1: to just kind of provide value and put content out there? Like, what do you think is a better strategy? Yeah. You know, there's some people out there that just say, Hey, you know, put out great content, serve the public and people will come. And that is true, but you're going to get about 10% of the people to come. Uh, 10% of the people that have gotten to the point where they're so sold that, that they don't need to talk to anybody and they, they just, if you gave them a credit card slip and a pen or whatever, they're going to sign up no matter what. Uh, a lot of people need more push than that. You know, uh, there's I'll, I'll destroy it if I try to break it down, but but there's a, a sales concept that's out there that talks about the, the, the people that are act, actively in the market ready to buy and it, it's basically like a pyramid, and it talks about like the very top point of the pyramid. Like, like three percent of the people are actually out there ready to go, and they're ready to buy your product right now. Seven percent uh, are are actively discussing it and thinking about it, and then like twenty percent are uh, not thinking about it but could use it. and And so, what what the the, the whole point of it is is that of this pie of a hundred percent, you only have like like three to 5% that are actually in market and they will reach out to you. They've closed themselves. Like, like they, they don't need help making a decision. Uh, the, 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 the remaining people are the people that you're trying to reach. And so, you know, is a content strategy important? Yeah. Uh, but you still need to get on the phone. Like one of the things that I think people miss so much is they think that, that they can, they can eliminate people. And, uh, you, you know, from the, from the whole sales process, a lot, of, a lot, especially in the, in the internet space, you know, they, they, they rely on a Facebook ad or a Facebook post or an Instagram ad or an Instagram post to drive their traffic and just hope people convert. But I, I think it's a, a total cop out. And, you know, for, for a while, this whole, the, you know, cold calling is dead thing has been going around, you know, our sales team does like two or $3 million a month. Uh, between two and three million dollars a month, and the majority of the stuff that they're doing, the work that they're doing is from cold calls so um, you need to use it all like there there, there there is no one or the other, you need all of it but but some people get too reliant on content and try to pull these other levers uh to avoid you know the the dirty thing, which is getting on the phone and and uh putting on the gloves and going to work with somebody
0: <laughs> yeah definitely that's that's really true, and I definitely agree with that for sure. Um, but yeah, and I mean, like, what would you say? Because I feel like a lot of people like they understand this, but then they aren't really wanting to actually do cold calls and get out there and actually make sales. So then that's when they kind of like lose this opportunity, I feel like. So what would you say is like some advice you would have to someone looking to sort of, you know, kind of develop the right mindset, I guess, or just be able to like be confident, because I feel like that's key if you're doing cold calls, like how do you
1: Um, just go in it with the right state of mind kind of thing. Listen, if you, if, if everybody that was starting a business today built their business as if social media didn't exist, if they did that first and they had to go like, okay, well, how, how does, like we, we really didn't start leveraging social like until like three or four years ago. Like, we were promoting a ton, like pushing a lot of content out, but, but we weren't spending any money. We spend like a million dollars a month today on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Google. Um, but, but we had built our business on cold calls. And so I think that if you, if you build your business around ground and pound and, and strategies like tactical st- sales strategies like cold calls or door-to-door or whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, and then you stack social on top of that. I think you build something that can weather any storm. But yeah. if, if your entire business is predicated on social and, you know, you, you can't, you don't know what Facebook's going to do with their algorithm. You don't know what uh, the FTC or the, you know, the SEC or the whoever, you know, any of these alphabet uh, organizations who knows what they're going to do with these platforms in the coming years, right? So, any business that's reliant on one of anything, any deal that's reliant on one of anything, any person who's relying on one of anything phone call, email, text, whatever, personal visit anytime you rely on one of anything, you put yourself in danger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely really true. And I feel like that is a really good way to look at it to sort of build that foundation with sales upfront, get that cash flow, and then eventually reinvest. But I feel like definitely just start with like getting those sales in the door and just kind of build from there. I feel like, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's something that holds people back is that they look at it and they think like they need to kind of scale right away. Cause I mean, to a lot of people, cold calls aren't really that as scalable, if you know what I mean? But yeah, I feel like definitely if you do the unscalable first, then I feel like that kind of sets you up for like the foundation to scale a lot further down the road kind of thing. So that's definitely a lot of really good advice for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just—I know what it's done for our business, and I know the other people in the space, like in the info space, like what we do online. You know, we 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 do we do better than they do. Plus, we have a a division of our company that that uses the phone. So, like, uh, you know, we've built a company that does over a hundred million dollars a year, and and you know, half of it comes from uh, you know e commerce social and the other half comes from a team in the back making phone calls uh you know sharpshooting taking down prospects like it's you know so you just have to decide if if you're building a business do you you know how many how many uh how many communication lines are you good with you know um how many you know they talk about multiple streams of income and the average you know millionaire has like seven flows of income like communication lines in your business are streams of income. So do you want to rely just on social? You want to have social and phones. You want to have social and phones and events. You want to have social and phones and events. And you know, like you just, how many things do you want feeding your business?
0: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really true and really powerful for sure. Um, But yeah, so now I kind of want to talk a bit more since I know we were kind of talking about cold calling and all that. And I kind of want to get more into that because I know you're like, um, like I'd say like an expert on cold calling and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of want to get into the tactical advice around cold calling and how someone can really succeed at that. So like my first question would be like, I mean, I guess the first step is really just like, how do you get past the gatekeeper? Like, cause I mean, you're doing these cold calls, but obviously you aren't going to be able to, um, actually make it work if they're just immediately like hanging up on you or whatever. Like, so how do you actually make it not seem salesy to actually make a connection right away and actually just kind of get past the gatekeeper?
1: Yeah. So, you know, number, the, 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 the number one question that almost everybody asks uh, about cold calling is how do you get past the gatekeeper? And I think that, that that in a lot of cases what what happens is people ask that question because they're trying to, to win on every call. And the the reality is if you can really like get it into your head that, The the volume is the play, like the amount of calls you make is the play. Like that's the first play. You've got it, you've got to get volume. When we hire new salespeople, the first thing that we try to condition them into is the volume of activity. We try to get them to 250, 300 calls a day. And and when you when you have a a, a mindset as number one, uh I I'm gonna make a ton of calls. Number two, I'm gonna follow up on the calls that I made the previous day. Like having having to rely on one call to get through the gatekeeper is is the wrong strategy like you know you're you're not going to get on the phone with me on one call like there's nothing you could say on uh to my assistant on one call that's going to get her to put you through to me yeah but but what's going to happen is she, you're going to call and then you're going to call again with a different angle. And then you're going to try again. Then you're going to hit me on LinkedIn. Then you're going to message me on IG. Then you're going to shoot me a Facebook message. Then you're going to send something to the office. You know, like it, it, it becomes this, like the phone again, it's one, it's one line of communication. So, so I think that a lot of people ask that question because they, they think that there's a silver bullet and there's not. The first thing that you have to have is activity. The second thing that you have to have is you have to rely on more than one line of communication. And then the third thing that you have to do is you have to start looking at at ways that you can find out what's important to that person. So if you sound like a a, a salesperson that's making a cold call, then you're going to get treated like one. But if you sound like uh, somebody who is looking to add value, uh, somebody who understands their business, you know, I hear sometimes salespeople will say on a call, even in our own office, and I'll, I'll stop them when I hear it. But they go, hey, you know, this is a complete cold call. Like out of the blue, what do you think that communicates to somebody? Like, you are a name on a list. And that is all you are to me. And I'm hoping I can sell you something. Yeah, like, wouldn't it be way better if you could call somebody and and hey, look, like, there's a uh, uh, 3 million businesses I could have called, but I selected you. You're uniquely qualified to, to be a candidate for what we offer. And we don't accept every. I mean, I'm not saying you say all that on the call, but, but you want to imply all that. And so, you know, there's a couple strategies if, if you're really looking for like a strategy. Uh, number one, try to find information out about the company uh, before you call. Number two, uh, when you make the call in, your first pass through the gatekeeper should almost be like, you know, the person that you're calling. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, ring, ring, ring. Hey, you know, this is ABC company. Um, this is, you know, Linda speaking. I'm going to say, Hey Linda, this is Jared. Uh, I'm calling for Tegan. Can you throw me through? Like, I'm going to call like, I know you, I'm going to call yeah. like you and me or buddies. Like, you know, when, when, um, if you're the CEO of a company, most of the time the people that are calling you are probably gonna be high-level people and you need to talk like that. You know, if you say, Hi, my name is Jared Glant, and I'm calling from Cardone Training Technologies. I was hoping to see if uh, Tegan is in today. Yeah. Like that says salesperson before 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 she even opens her mouth. She knows exactly who you are. So yeah, definitely first names, first names, don't give a second name. She says, Yeah, what's this regarding? let him know it's Jared Glant. He should, be, he should be expecting my call. Now, if you've done your follow-up the right way and you've hit from multiple angles, I'm going to drop in my messages. Hey, I'm going to be calling you on, on uh, Wednesday morning so that you are expecting my call so that I'm not a liar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I feel like all of that, really the key thing from what you said there is just like, you know, just kind of do your research beforehand. So it's not just a complete cold call, but actually be prepared to like, actually know who it is you're trying to reach and what their business is. I feel like that's really powerful to, I mean, just that simple thing to really stand out. I feel like that's some really good advice right there. Yeah, and, sure. dude, and
1: that's going to vary that the amount of time that you spend on that is going to vary based on the product that you're selling, the price point, uh, who you're selling it to. I mean, all that stuff that, 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 you know, th- those factors do kind of change that a bit. You know, I'm going to do a lot more research on uh, somebody that's going to do a $7 million deal with me and it's going to go through, six or seven different, you know, layers of decision makers and go through procurement and blah, 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 than I am somebody who wants to buy an online course from me or coaching or something, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's all about context. I feel like that's just the one word that kind of sums that up for sure. Um, Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we're kind of we're kind of coming close to the end of this. So another thing that I wanted to cover real quick, though, is um, also around cold calls, I feel like a question that a lot of people always kind of have trouble with is, you know, just figuring out like exactly how to handle like objections. And so I'm kind of curious, like what would you say is sort of something that you do to kind of um, be prepared to like handle people's objections? Do you have, like, even do you have like a certain script to actually be prepared exactly what to do
1: based on certain objections or do you just like have a yeah, number, number one, number one, you, 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 gotta know, you gotta know what's coming before you, before you get on the call. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you'll get crushed. Uh, number two is you have to practice and drill and role play that every single day. So, you know, if, uh, if I play baseball and, you know, I know it's like the world series game seven and the guy that's pitching, you know, the game against me, you know, he, his pitch that he throws all the time is a, a 98 mile an hour fastball, you know, on the inside uh, of the plate, you know when I go to the batting cages, you know, I'm not going to be practicing change ups or curve balls. You know, I'm going to be practicing that one thing over and over and over again so that I can hit the ball. So if you know that the customer is not going to be interested, if you know that the customer is going to have an objection about price or term, or they're going to need to talk to somebody else, then, then you need to come up with the ways that you're going to handle that. And one of the things that at a minimum, I would tell anybody who's in a sales position is you need to come up with a list You know, there's probably, I don't know, 50 different objections that you could get, but there's going to be five that you get 85% of the time. So there's 50 objections you could hear on a call. There's five that you'll get 85% of the time. For each of those five objections, I would take the time to write out three ways that you can uh, handle that objection. And the reason you want to have multiple ways to handle that objection is so that if the customer objects and then you handle it and then uh, they, they object again, you have another layer to it. And if they object again, then you have another layer to it. So you want to you wanna be able to go back and forth and, and kind of dance with somebody uh, with some depth. So it's 15 objections that you have to memorize and you need to practice and drill and role play them every single day for at least 20 minutes before you start making calls. That way when you, when you jump on the phone, you're not cold. Uh, you're doing the same thing the same way every time, every day. And what ends up happening is, is you, you end up eliminating thought from the equation because thought requires time, and time on a call uh, translates to a lag in communication. And, you know, a two- or three-second lag on a call communicates so much uncertainty and lack of confidence that you're not going to get anybody to talk to you.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really true for sure. Um, But yeah, and then another thing, though, is because, I mean, some people when they have objections, like, you know, it could actually be a real objection where they actually genuinely like can't work with you kind of thing. Like, say it's like a cash flow issue where they genuinely can't afford your services or whatever it is. How do you know if it's like an objection where they're just kind of saying it and it's kind of a fake objection? Or how do you like differentiate that from if it's actually just like them kind of saying something or if it's actually genuinely like they
1: can't do this? Like, how do you kind of tell the difference, I guess? Yeah, you know, um, you know, one of the things that that we one of the things that we look for, like if the objection keeps changing, then you don't have a real objection, right? Like somebody's just dancing around. You haven't gotten to the real point yet. If somebody keeps repeating the same thing, like we're, we have 10x growth conference coming up. It's the largest it'll be the largest business conference that anybody's ever put on. We're doing it here in Miami in February. Uh, and there's, you know, there's going to be 35,000 people there you know, John Maxwell, Steve Harvey, Russell Brunson, Ty Lopez, Ryan Dice, Bethany Frankel. I mean, like the lineup is ridiculous. We have seats that start, we we have some $95 seats and we got $15,000 seats. Yeah. If you don't have 15 grand, there's no way that I'm going to sell you a $15,000 seat. Like it's just not real. So you gotta, you gotta know in a call, When somebody's repeating the same thing, like, dude, I don't have the money. Well, if you did have the money, where would it come from? Uh, I don't have the money, so it wouldn't come from anywhere. Well, if you knew, if you had somebody in your life that cared enough about you that they would actually lend you the money, he's like, dude, I don't have any friends, my family's all dead, I don't have the money, I can't get the money, even if I wanted to, even if, if my life depended on it like that person doesn't have the money. So you just need to yeah. move on. And that's why you have to have a huge net. That's why people that rely on two, they, 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 they put too much, uh, they put too much reliance on too few opportunities. And so they're never actually able to break out. Like you got to throw a net so big that like losing one deal or missing one deal, like it just doesn't even phase you. Yeah. And Too many people, they they get this scarcity mindset and they think that there's only a limited amount of opportunities out there. Like when you start getting out into the marketplace, you can't even fathom how big it is. You can't fathom how many people are out there that are uh, qualified for your product. You know, like it's just, it's massive. And so, you know, all I can say is throw a big net Massive action and never put too much reliance on one single thing because you'll always be let down.
0: Yeah, definitely. I really like that. And that's a really great place to end off for sure. And I mean, you provided a lot of value overall in this entire episode. But um, I mean, yeah, so kind of wrap up here. There's just kind of one last question that I wanted to ask you, real quick. And kind of the way I usually end these off is just if you could share one thing, like one message with everyone on earth in like 60 seconds, what would you say?
1: Uh, a message about about business or
0: sales or just about life just like yeah anything you'd want to share like what's the thing that you'd like most want to
1: share just in general yeah regardless of what anybody tells you you need to get your money right money gives you the ability to take care of your family to make an impact at a greater level to have influence and to truly change things like None of that stuff happens without money. And, the, you know, if you can get your finances right, then, then that's probably the most important thing that you can do in your life because it will allow you to affect change at a greater level. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. And that's a
0: really great place to end off here. So, see, I mean, thanks again for being on the show. And I'm sure people are definitely going to want to maybe um, like follow you on Instagram or reach out or whatever it is. So why don't you just kind of share where they can find you online?
1: Yeah, you can get me on every platform. It's at Jared Glant, J-A-R-R-O-D. GLANDT you can get the podcast Young Hustlers it's on the Cardone Zone if you go into the the uh the iTunes uh the podcast marketplace or whatever they call it in, in iTunes uh Young Hustlers and then uh dude get to Miami in February 10xgrowthcon.com it's going to be an unreal networking opportunity you know for a lot of folks out there they don't have access to a network or people to connect with that are like-minded that will actually support them. There's plenty of haters and there's a, a a very small amount of people that can actually encourage you and support you. And we're going to bring, basically the most ultimate networking opportunity to Miami in February. And I would just tell you that you'll have the opportunity to make connections that will last a lifetime. You're going to learn from people that have affected billions of dollars of sales, people that came from nothing, people that started with nothing and, and grew companies into billion dollar enterprises. And uh, and that is the story that you need to see. You need to see people winning and you need to get around people who want to win and who want to see other people winning. So get your tickets, 10 xgrowthconcom Yeah, definitely. That's so true. That's literally the best
0: way to learn and just to like, I feel like that's super powerful going to events and networking and all that stuff is super key. If you want to succeed like in anything in life, for sure. But yeah, so thanks again for being on the show and to listeners. I'll see you again on the next episode.